Welcome to The Worst Best Sellers, where we read for over eight years so you don't have to. I'm Kate. And I'm Renata. And for this episode, we're discussing our origin stories. Joining us to discuss this anniversary episode is Duarte, who's just a little guy. He really is, Kate. (laughs) Such a little guy. Oh my gosh. I thought you were going to play a Duarte there. I'll save him. Okay. I just like to think about Duarte. (laughs) (laughs) I have noticed that about you. Um, hi everybody. This is our eighth anniversary. Can you believe? I cannot. I cannot believe it. And we did fact check this because there have been past anniversary episodes where I very confidently said the wrong amount of years. <laughs> but it's eight. We it's eight years. We started in twenty fourteen. Yes. Um. Yeah. A simpler and- time. <laughs> Um, yeah, so we've, we've had this tradition of like reading a new Twilight book or a new Stephanie Meyer book on our anniversary and we have outlasted Stephanie Meyer. We're just completely scraped that barrel. Yeah. And as like, everyone keeps saying, have you told Stephanie Meyer? I mean, told quote unquote, like obviously they're being facetious, but if you told Stephanie Meyer, you needed to write a new book for your podcast. And it's like, Yes. We do we do need Stephanie Meyer to write more books for our anniversary episodes, but I do also continue to admire Stephanie Meyer's ability to take her money and shut up. Yes. And not say things on the internet constantly. Yes. Sullying any joy and love we may have taken. Well, that's probably really that's strong. Yeah, strong words. Yeah. Sorry about how I feel about Twilight, but uh, yeah. So, I, like, I wouldn't be at all surprised if Ms. Meyer had even more problematic opinions than J.K. Rowling, but we'll never know. Nope, well, never know. <laughs> hope, as of yet, we don't know. Hopefully, knock we'll never on wood. Let's not yeah. let's not unfurl that monkey's paw. Oof. Yeah, she did. Stephanie Meyer, I think, like last year, did announce she had some other like Twilight tie-in book that she was working on. And, like, a bunch of people sent it to us, and they're like, oh, like, hopefully this will be your next anniversary. And we were like, yeah, hopefully. But I guess we didn't, like, vision board strong enough because there's not really been any updates on that. So yeah, it's possible we were thinking, like, the wrong year. You know how easily those vision boards get confused when it comes yeah. to dates and times. Yeah. So maybe for our ninth anniversary, we'll have some progress on that front. But... For now, we just thought it would be nice if we took some time to kind of answer some frequently asked questions or less frequently asked questions that we just like wanted to talk about. And so we're just going to talk a little bit about, um, well, you know, as we said, our origin stories as if we were uh, comic book characters, which we could be. Could be. And so if this is not of interest to you, that's totally fine. We'll be back in two weeks with a book or we'll return to being a book podcast. But um, we've been doing this for eight years and just like we're going to we're going to do some little navel gazing. Yeah. And this is for us. And you can listen if you want to. Doing this podcast, by the way, has made me like so insane. And like even though almost everyone is really who interacts with us is like really nice. I just am constantly imagining people like the one percent of people who are mean. I'm like, if you don't like it, just get out. And everyone's like, no, we like it. It's fine. I'm like, but if you don't get out. 
We had, and I think I've talked about this before, I don't like to read reviews of the podcast. First of all, I, I forget they exist. Second of all, like, I sometimes am very sensitive and I don't want, like, sometimes I'll read a bad review of something that I like and be like, well, fuck that guy. And sometimes I'll read a bad review and be like, no, I'm so sad forever. So I stopped reading reviews many years ago. Um, oh, yeah, same. One crossed my my vision by accident uh, in early 2021, and it was basically someone saying the like the yearly roundup episode this year was my last straw with this podcast. They only talked about like two books. This is a book podcast. I don't care if you like Baby Yoda. I stop listening because they don't talk about books enough. And it's like, my dude, we have at this point over 200 episodes. Probably a hundred and ninety-seven of them are about books. Yeah. (laughs) Every once in a while we talk about a relevant movie, or you know, maybe during a pandemic we talk about things that aren't just books because everyone's having a hard time. So if you're so offended by the seven episodes that aren't about books, then probably for your mental health, it's best that you don't listen to the podcast anymore. And by the way, Baby Yoda posed for he personally posed for an American Library Association read poster, which I did put up in the library teen room. So he's basically a book. <laughs> and he's so cute and I love him almost as much as I love Dorte. So that's all to say, I imagine that if you're deeply offended that we're not talking about books, you've already quit the podcast. Yeah, bye. If you just don't want to listen to this, that's also fine. I'm not mad at you. You can just skip and pick up the next one, which yeah. I believe is L.A. Candy. It's L.A. Candy by Lauren Conrad, which, by the way, I already read. And you know what? Well, I'll talk about that in two weeks, but I'm ready. Okay. All right. I'm ready. Okay, so yeah, we did, we put out a little call online, and so we have some questions from listeners, and then just, like, kind of some stuff that we want to talk about, and um, so yeah, we start, I know that we've talked before about, like, when and why and how we started the podcast, like, when we, when we've been interviewed in the print media, But I'm not sure if we've ever, like, on the podcast talked about the podcast. I mean, maybe, but who knows? There's a lot of episodes. We haven't listened to them all. Oh, no. No. So let's talk about that. So we started it eight years ago in 2014. And... We actually... uh, We started talking about it for a while before that. Yeah. It was when Renato was living uh, in probably first Illinois and then Indiana, I don't was it that long ago? It was it was I don't know. It was a while ago. And then I was living here in Massachusetts and we're both listening to some podcasts and she had said, like, hey, do you ever think of like doing a podcast together? Like that could be like a cool way for us to like work on something together. I think just think it would be fun. And I was like, Yeah, totally. And then like we didn't do anything for like a year (laughs) or more. It was a long time. Yeah. Well, I, I do think it was, I think it was, this doesn't matter. I think it was after I left Illinois because after I graduated from grad school, I was like, got, got a lot of free time on my hands because I'm yeah. not in grad school anymore. And uh, let me put that towards this. So I, I think that was maybe one of the first things I had was just like, oh, I'm not in grad school anymore. Like, I don't know, podcast time. Yeah. But yeah, like we sat on it for a while and then I don't, I don't know what Renata's 
impetus is. I don't know if you remember this, but at one point in like the summer of 2014, she just emailed me and said, okay, we're going to do this podcast now. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, okay. Um, yeah, I guess I, you know what? Like, I never clean up my Gmail inbox. Like, let me search. Well, I did actually because I got full, but I, let me see what my oldest emails for Kate's email address and podcast are. This is, and this, if this goes nowhere, Kate, um, delete it, please. <laughs> Will do. <laughs> I do, I do strongly remember literally getting podcasts for dummies out of the library. Yeah, I remember, I don't know if you tweeted it or if you just texted me a picture of it. Yeah. Oh my god, we have so many emails. We do have a lot of emails. Okay. The earliest email that I still have is from September 2013. It's entitled My Weekend Plans with a Z. It's a blank email. I think there's probably a photo in it that for some reason isn't loading now. Um, okay, I skimmed podcasting for dummies, and then I was like, let's see what Kate's podcast friend said. It seems like we'll need hosting, which we can use Frowl.org for, still using it. Um, by the way, I do want to talk about Frowl.org later. In RSS feed, there's WordPress plugins to this. Yes, a microphone. This is all the same stuff that we use. This is just a list of stuff. Yeah, I don't, so yeah, I, I, maybe it just was me sort of hitting a free weekend point of boredom, or like... Maybe find maybe it was finding um, podcasting for dummies. Yeah, and it. I just remember because we had like talked about it, and then we didn't talk about it for a long time. And then you were like, "Let's kick this into gear," and we started talking about it more seriously. We had like decided that it would be a a bad book podcast because Mm -hmm. you were really into how did this get made, and we're both like longtime fans of mystery science theater, and at the time there that we were first coming up with this idea there were no other bad book podcasts that we knew about i think that they did exist and we just didn't know about yes them. there weren't any like big ones that came up easily and then right around like literally within months of when we started i don't even know when a television started like maybe three or four months i looked it up once before we started okay and that ended up of course being like the best possible outcome because now we know these go- those guys and they're awesome and we love they're them they're cool bros yeah and then we we like Mystery Science Theater. We liked, you know, making fun of things sounds so mean. But we like it. <laughs> I found, so you sent the original emails on 9-18-13, or yeah. uh, 9-14-13 was the first podcast email you sent me. And then on... Sunday, April 27th, 2014, you sent me an email entitled Thoughts from a Long Bus Ride. One, hey, do you want to read, do you still want to do a podcast about books? Two, I promise we don't have to read the Need for Speed mo- novelization. Three, that was but- a lie. We did have to read <laughs> it's that. It's true. <laughs> but can we read this though? And it is a link to The Shunning, which we did read. We, yeah. And then. We had several emails that went back and forth through April, May, July, August, and then on Monday, August 11th, we shared a document with Carrie, our longtime Twilight expert guest, mm-hmm. uh, asking our, our her- Our first guest. Our first guest, 
uh, asking her to join us and coming up with ideas for how we want it. Carrie actually, and I forgot this, helped us sort of form the structure of the podcast because since it was our first episode, we were like, we don't know what we're doing. Here's sort of our ideas. Do you have any ideas? Yeah. And this is, no one like officially wrote into our question form to ask this, but people have more informally asked like, why don't you guys do the games anymore? And we started doing the games because when we started, we were just like, oh, podcasts have games. We need to have games. And that'll, like, we need them because I feel like all the podcasts I was listening to then had games and then they started phasing the games out also. Like, I don't know. They're just not trendy anymore. And then also when we first started, we were like, oh, our episodes won't be long enough because we don't talk enough. And then now we talk too much and the episodes are too long. So it's like, we don't need them, but I still kind of miss them. So sometimes I'm trying to like wedge them back in. Yeah. And part of it is, there are folks who have expressed that sometimes episodes are too long. They are they are too long, but you know what? And too, prior too. to this year, we were using a different person who is not one of the two of us to edit. And that, I, mean, I think we can say, like, we definitely have said that as friend of the show, Becca, who yeah. is editing for us. And, like, when we very first started the podcast, like, I was just editing it um, using Audacity and... I mean, if you listen to those early apps, they are rough. Like, I literally taught myself from podcasting for dummies. And Becca listened to the podcast, and she was like, hey, um, your podcast sounds bad, and I think I could edit it for you guys and make it sound better. And I was like, amazing, thank you. And so for a long time, she was, like, part of our little team. And once we started our Patreon, we were able to, like, pay her a little bit for her time. Yeah. And and she was like, these are too long, and it's, like, it's rude to me to have them be so long. Stop it. And we were like, okay. Yeah, so we started cutting out the games. And also, while we're talking about sound, I – so there was a thing, an anxiety that I had for the first several years of the show, which was prior to moving to Zencaster, we recorded using Skype Call Recorder. Oh, yeah. And Skype Call Recorder puts the guest – any anyone who is not the host on the same track. So that the audio quality of that one track with two voices is very difficult. It's very not good sometimes, yeah. depending on like if my internet connection was great, but theirs was bad, I sounded bad. If my like call, like my microphone was great, but theirs was bad, I sounded bad. Uh, and it also made it very difficult for Becca to edit because two voices were on the same track. It didn't record them as separate tracks, um, which is also why I sound so bad because people have also commented on that. Oh, that's rude. And that's why I sounded so bad. I can't imagine that anybody who was commenting on that, like to our faces back in the day, are still listening. Yeah. But if you were thinking in your head, like, wow, Kate's been doing this for five years and she sounds like ass all the time. That's why that was happening. Um, and I just had intense anxiety about oh. it because it just it sounded so terrible. And it like I felt like it made me feel like it seemed like I wasn't taking the podcast seriously because I sounded so bad, even though there was a technical reason why I sounded so bad. And there was actually there's an episode that I was editing and I like st or I was doing the transcript for an episode and I stopped part the way through. And I was like, I can't listen to this anymore because it's like I am having an anxiety spiral about how bad I sound in it. Aww. So, yeah. And 
And I think also, like, there were ways that we could have, there were probably other things we could have done, but we didn't know. We barely know how to do a podcast. That is, that is very true. Anyway, so then uh, Becca started grad school and she was like, I'm too busy to do your long ass podcast now. Goodbye. And we were like, okay, thanks. Bye. So now we've switched back to the two of us taking turns editing it. And we started using, as Kate mentioned, the service called Zencaster, which not to get all technical works better than Skype. Yeah. It records people on their own separate tracks is the main thing. Mm -hmm. And there's also some post-production work that it does that makes everyone like normalizes volume and stuff like that. But the big thing is everyone's on their own track and you don't have to, because that would be the problems. We'd be like, hey, could you like record yourself for the podcast? And people would be like, how? Yeah. And we'd be like, oh, well, if you don't have Audacity, you could use like QuickTime or Windows Media Player. And people would be like, how? And we didn't have time to also be a like how to record a podcast service. (laughs) (laughs) But Zencaster, you don't need to know how to do anything. You just click a link and it records for you, which is great for us for editing purposes. Yeah, this is not Spawn. It's just we really like it. Yes. So that I think lost a little bit of the original ask, which was how did we start this podcast? Uh, and why? Well, that was a question that I asked so that we could talk about it. <laughs> so yes. we can just like, we can say whatever yes. to me. Um, but yeah, so it, it was uh, the one thing that we haven't said, which I do like to put this in, is was something that Renata said very early on and I find very true, which was a quote from one of director Kevin Smith's many, many, many podcasts where he said something along the lines of, if you want to start a podcast with your friends, like I absolutely recommend it because even if it doesn't go anywhere, you won't regret having recorded a conversation with your friends 10 years from now. And yeah. that that is like, it, it is sort of what one of the things that drove us to do this. And even if we did not have listeners, even if we did not have a Patreon or a Discord or anything like it is it is true. It is true. It is fun to do this with Renata. Uh, it is great that we have all of this like past eight years of friendship recorded for posterity. Mm-hmm. And you know, it 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 is enjoyable to spend time with your friends. Breaking news from worst bestsellers, it is enjoyable to spend time with your friends. Whoa. Speaking of spending time with your friends, I should mention sometimes people ask. Because now we do both live in the greater Boston area, but we still record separately over Zencaster, just with the kind of level of sound equipment that we have, it does sound better if we're in our own separate rooms, then, you know, it's not like we're going to the studio. It's still just like our little microphones and our little laptops, and it just sounds better if we're separate. Yeah. And I'm sure there's things we could do to record together, but honestly, this works and it saves us. It's not like we're next door neighbors. It saves us like a 20 minute little commute. And then our, our guests still wouldn't be there. And anyway, so yeah, we still record separately for the most part. Yes. If you were wondering. Okay. So here's a question from a listener, Megan, who asked, what's the origin story for Flashback Summer? And that actually came about because I was moving from Indiana to Boston. And so I needed to take some time off the podcast to just like get my shit together and move and we kind of thought, well, if we have um, children's books, then those will be shorter and it'll be easier to kind of like, 
you know, do without me and to have Becca jump in as guest host because um, Becca didn't have a lot of like time to read longer books, basically. So that was sort of like the practical reason why is just like, I won't be around and then children's books are sort of like shorter and easier. But there's a lot of fun. Yeah. We do it. We still do it, even though I'm no longer actively moving every summer. Yes. And then the summer after that, I think I was just gone for a lot of the summer. Like I was visiting people and visiting my family. And um, I think the I think the the conceit we used on the podcast was that I was sleeping on the street waiting for Dave Malloy to play Pierre and Natasha Pierre in the Great Comet of 1812. Oh, yeah. But yeah, like I, I was going to New Jersey to see my family for various reasons and seeing Great Comet. I was traveling with some friends. I was gone for like a week. I was traveling with other friends. I was gone for like another week. I just was like all summer I had stuff going on. And at that point, we hadn't taken a break. We take a break now every year. But for the first several years of the podcast, like we – several years. I guess we've only been going for eight years. But up until I think was 2020 our first break. Maybe. 2020 or maybe 2019. Our when first, you... like, scheduled break. Well, yeah, 2019 – no, 2016 was when I got pneumonia and we had to take, like, an unplanned break because it was just, like, help. Yeah, and then there was – I had – I was sick and you had, like, broken your ankle or something. Oh, yeah, that was 2015. Yeah, and so, like, we – like our schedule was all out of whack. Like we didn't take breaks and then these things would happen <laughs> and we'd be forced to like take a break and we'd start panicking. And then I think after 2020, we just decided like, you know what, let's take January off. Yeah. Cause like if you read, if you read podcasts for dummies as I have, or like other podcast advice, it's like the most important thing is to keep a regular schedule so that like people can anticipate your show and like blah, 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 blah. And and sometimes you can't because sometimes you're like a human with a body and that's problematic. And a full-time job. We both have other full-time jobs that are not just doing this podcast. And we have like obligations at those jobs. We have real life obligations. We have travel. We have all of these other things. And we love this podcast and we love our listeners and we love this community, but not so much that we are destroying our lives to keep an episode coming out because no no one needs to hear about a bad book that badly. Yeah. I should say also, the Kate mentioned her conceit was that she was waiting for a great comment. This is something that I think is still in my Twitter bio and it doesn't really make a lot of sense anymore. But when instead of saying I was moving, we said that I was in my sadness cave because <laughs> that was closer to the time when the movie The Wolverine came out and I was... And remain obsessed, but I talked about it more than I'm obsessed that that movie depicts Wolverine is just like being so sad that he literally lives in like a cave cave. And it's just like a cave, like not like a like, <laughs> man cave. It's like a rock cave in the woods. He's like living in this cave that's just like full of empty liquor bottles because he's so sad. He lives in a cave and it's so fucking funny. And he has like a clock radio in the cave. It's really choice. <laughs> So yeah, I just one more thought about flashback summer is just that it is nice even outside of like, oh, we're taking a little bit of a break and reading shorter books. It's also just very nice to read these books from our childhood and other people's childhoods. And like the nostalgia factor is really nice. And also, I personally just find it really cool, like what people 
Like, I would love to hear what your favorite book when you were eight is. Like, that's just very interesting to me. So getting like to especially these la- this last year where we were like, OK, well, we're going to pick the guest and you pick the book. Yeah. Um, is just like it's it's cool. I like it. Uh, so that's that's the non-practical reason that we are continuing Flashback Summer. It's just it's cool and people like it and I like it. Yeah, it's, and it's a nice little emotional break, too, to be like, oh, this is probably going to be, like, a fun, light read. And also, sometimes we have guests who are like, well, I would like to come on your show, but I don't feel comfortable, like, trashing a book. So it's like, okay, we'll come on Flashback Summer, and then you can pick a nice, fun book and say nice things about it. Yeah. Okay, and a question from listener Lisa E., So on the form asking for questions, I gave examples. I was like, you know, if you have questions about how we got started or if you have questions about inside jokes you'd like us to explain, like, we don't know how electricity works, but we use it. And so Lisa E's question is, I've listened to every episode and I was unaware that we don't know how electricity works, but we use it even was a running joke. So I guess I'd like an explanation of that. And I'm so thrilled that you asked (laughs) Um, I think part of it is that we frequently don't say the first part. Like sometimes we'll just say, but we use it. True. Yeah. Um, So it is from The Secret and which was our second ever episode, I think, or third. It was one of the very first ups. And we um, got there. Okay. There's like a monologue in The Secret, the documentary that is so unhinged. It's my favorite thing. And it's this man who's billed as, like, some kind of scientist. And he's like, you know, we don't know how electricity works. Like, I don't know how electricity works. No one does. But we use it. And I know this about electricity. You can use it to cook a man's meal. Or you can use it to cook a man. (laughs) And he is billed as, like, a scientific expert on the secret. And he has said this completely nonsense thing. And, And it's... You know, his thing is, like, we don't know how electricity works, but we use it. And, like, we don't know how the secret works, but we use it. And it's, like, I mean, I personally don't know how electricity works, but I think people do. Yeah. Scientists, electricians, like, people know how it works, probably. Anyway. Yeah. That's all. (laughs) It's just absurd. And we do say it a lot, whatever. Or we'll say, you know, one part of it. And then I think also this is something we say a lot to each other that maybe doesn't always make it into the podcast. Yeah, it's something I think about a lot. Yes. And here is a weird <laughs> uh, postscript to that story. I was telling someone about that, the we don't know how electricity works, but we use it and explaining it. And I was Googling to see if anybody had put that particular section of the secret documentary on YouTube. And someone had, and it was Justin McElroy. Great. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> we should link to that. Yes. It's so powerful. <laughs> uh, yeah, the secret documentary I watched for the first time in the Peace Corps, which I will be talking a little bit more about later in the show. But uh, I, my friend Keen, who was our guest for The Secret, like we discovered that we both like to watch bad movies and we were going back and forth like, oh, you know, do you like The Room? Do you like Crank? Like blah, 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 blah. And he was like, well, have you seen The Secret? And I was like, no. And he was like, oh my God, it's so funny. It's this like insane documentary about the self-help book. And I was like, I've never heard of this because it was 2008 and I hadn't heard of The Secret. And he got his sister to like send him the actual DVD from America because he was like, no, you've got to see it. <laughs> 
And then we like set up on somebody's laptop and it was just like, you're right. I did need to see this. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think it's on, it's streaming or something. You, The secret documentary is actually really funny. <laughs> oh, you know, no one really asks the origin of Rock Paper Snicked, which is funny to me because it is so unhinged and everyone's just like, no, this makes perfect sense to me, I guess. <laughs> or like... <laughs> <laughs> like every single <laughs> guest who doesn't regularly listen to the show and I have to explain it I just feel like like I just have to like white knuckle through it because I'm like okay I need you to like bear with me through this unhinged game of where you know we just see who the rock and who Wolverine would be if they were in this book and then and you say what would make it better and they're like okay I guess and so there's kind of a two-pronged origin story Maybe three, and one of the prongs is like lost to time. It's like a broken fork. Yes, we have talked about this, and we don't remember how or who of us started it. But our like our one of our X Men ships is just like Wolverine and and the Rock, like for you know for fan fiction or just more even for like the idea of fan fiction of just being like. I feel like we we had there are like there's a reason why we shipped this. We cannot remember. We have gone back into like the bowels of our messages of our posts on Tumblr and Twitter. We have no memory of how it came up. Because I remember we we were like, oh, we cracked it because it's when The Rock played Hercules and because Wolverine and Hercules like are a, a Marvel canon ship, sort of. And But then we like checked the dates and it was like his Hercules movie came out after we started doing this. So maybe it came about when it was announced that he was like cast as Hercules or something. Like that's the thing that makes the most sense. And yet for some reason that wasn't it. Anyway. So part of it is just that, like, we love to think about Wolverine and The Rock being boyfriends or friends. Or yes. Friends. And then the pun name made me laugh. And I, I literally, like, I was homesick with a fever. I had, like, some kind of fever dream. And I, like, sat up in bed and was, like, rock, paper, snicked. And I sent Kate this. I wonder if I can find that, actually. Because I sent her this, like, unhinged email. And she was like, okay, well, go back to bed. <laughs> I don't know if you remember that, but I, I like I clearly remember it was like in my Indiana apartment. I was just like unwell, and I was just like, no, this is so like you know when you have like a fever dream and you're like, this is really important, and then an hour later you take your Tylenol and you're like, what? No, I have no memory. I 100 percent believe it happened, and I was like, go to bed. But <laughs> I, my memory is very bad, as we have discovered time and again on this podcast, really. But yes. Oh, I found it. Because this game, it wasn't originally baked into our, um, uh, you know, we didn't start the show with this. It, it was born on February 2nd, 2015. And it, this email is largely in all caps. And it says, I was literally half asleep. And then I had this idea. Dwayne the Rock Johnson, comma, paper, scissors. It's the name of the new segment in our podcast where we say if a book would benefit from the rock or Wolverine or paper, three question marks. <laughs> I say, there's no wrong ideas in sleep brainstorming, but I think I'm onto something here. And then an immediate follow-up email in all, literally all caps. No, wait, the rock paper snicked. I think I might be running a favor. I just took some NyQuil, but I hope it doesn't interfere with my idea making. <laughs> And then a third follow-up email, 
Kate, I'm mad you haven't validated my important ideas yet. <laughs> and then you wrote back, sorry, I've been very busy watching the X-Files. <laughs> and then you said, I kind of like rock, paper, scissors, comma, snicked, which is all four of them. This is crazy. But I don't know what the paper or scissors would be. And then I wrote back, I've literally been thinking of this all day. What if the paper is just like the book? <laughs> yeah. And then in all caps, I think we're definitely on the right track. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, here's some alternates. Here's some alternates. What about the rock in a hard place? And you just say who the rock would be in this book. <laughs> Sit down. You're the rocking the boat. Get your the rock off. IDK, I still like rock, paper, snake the best, I think. Maybe we should tweet about it and see what other people think. Oh, that's never a good idea, Renata. Well, that was Mm-mm-mm. 2015, Renata, where it wasn't that bad of an idea yet. <laughs> anyway, I no one asked about it, but I just wanted to talk about it. <laughs> that's where it came from. <laughs> I feel like I should post screen caps with these emails so you can truly see the amount of caps locks and question marks. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that's... That's that. That's the answer to all your questions, I'm sure. About, about the, the podcast. About, well, the rock, paper, snicked. Yes. So uh, our listener, Anya, said, has the podcast influenced your reading outside of the podcast? Do you enjoy reading good books more or less? Such a good question. I do truly, and we say this on the podcast, I do feel like it has like recalibrated my brain and permanently lowered my, like I just have like a negative one to like standards now. Yeah. Um, I would say for me personally, I already, um, I know that there's a lot of folks who I'm not, uh, despite doing this podcast and being friends with so many authors and librarians because of this podcast, I'm not like deep within the book community. And I know there are people who take the act of not finishing a book to be like, like, it is a big deal. It is like reserved for only the whatever and like, you know, whatever book they pick up, they work their hardest to finish, even if they don't like it. I have never been like that. I mean, maybe as a kid, but like at least in my adult reading life, if I'm reading a book and I'm not vibing with it, like even if it's not like, here's a good example. Colin Malloy of the Decemberists wrote a series of fantasy books for children. I love Colin Malloy. I love the Decemberists. I love the vibe of like his whole thing and his books. I picked up the first one and love kids books, tried to read it, made it a couple hours into it and was like, I'm just not listening to this. Like I'm just not vibing with it. I don't think it's a bad book. Probably if I listened to it at a different point, I would like it more, but I was like, I don't have, I don't have time to like do, do this. There's more books that I want to read. So I put it down. I do that a lot. Like I, and if a book is bad also, I don't think that one was necessarily bad. I just think it wasn't vibing. If I'm reading something and I don't like it, I stop. The only time I keep reading it is when I have to for this podcast. But so that hasn't changed for me because I've always been like that. I will say I think almost reading for this podcast has kept me reading with more frequency than I would have otherwise during certain periods of my life. 
you know, I don't make a secret on this podcast of the fact that I have fairly baddish depression and anxiety. And also I am in the midst of being diagnosed with ADD or ADHD for as a, you know, 37 year old woman. And because of a really great mixture of all of those things, I all go through these terrible reading slumps where the last one I was in was, I want to say like 20 that I, not the last one, the first one that I was in while we were doing this podcast, I wrote a big blog post about it and how when you are a book person, quote unquote, when that is, when books are like your personality trait, which I think a lot of us kind of cling to that of like, you were the kid who was always reading a book in like family gatherings. And, you know, you were the nerdy kid who always had like this, like a book that was like too old for you, quote unquote. And like, your family always got you books for holidays. And like, you're a book person. And when you're having trouble reading for mental health reasons, it starts to feel like a personal failing and failure. Uh, And I did, I still do feel like that when it happens. And it does happen with frequency, especially as the world continues to be very bad, actually. I don't know if you were all aware of this, but the world is very bad, actually. So there, there have been times where I've not been reading for pleasure or the amount that I'm reading for pleasure is greatly diminished. I can't read with my eyes pretty much at all anymore. If I have to for a podcast book, I will. But largely, I have to listen to audiobooks. I just can't. I don't have the attention span to like look at a book with my eyes. Uh, so I only read via audio 99% of the time. And you know, it's, it's a struggle, but because I have to read these books for the podcast, A, it's kept me reading and B, it's put me in the habit. So it's, it's easy after I finish listening to a book for the podcast to be like, well, while I've got Libro FM open or like, while I've got Overdrive open, I might as well put on a different book and it doesn't always work. But it has encouraged me to keep going. And the fact that I do have to read these books for the podcast does make me realize, like, well, I'm not fully broken. Like, I still can read. You're a real girl. Yes. So so that's my very long-winded response to how has the podcast influenced my reading outside of the podcast. I would say it's made me more open to romance novels. (laughs) And I mean, that's like kind of the full answer. Um, (laughs) I don't even like when we first started, I would, I would say things like, oh, you know, it's not like a romance novel. And I had it, I, I was still, um, you know, what's the word corrupted by the patriarchy into thinking all romance novels were silly and bad. And I hadn't yet had my mind open to it. And then some of our listeners, like uh, I know, especially shout out to Jenny who came on to talk about our Harlequin novel and others have been like, Hey, like you're just as bad as the people who are like shitting on twilight by being like this. And I was like, no. And, um, and then I read some like actually good romance novels, like shout out to Nora Robert, shout out to Alyssa Cole, shout out to, others um i wasn't prepared for this um but yeah so real i wasn't prepared for this despite the fact that we have like a seven page google doc don't look at me um yeah i i truly that is a genre that i've had my eyes open to and i feel that my life is is richer for letting romance novels into my heart 
and my life. Yeah. So another thing that people ask us a lot, and no one specifically asks this, but people do bring it up all the time when they're talking to us, when they're interviewing us for other things, when we're on other podcasts, and that is what the worst book we've ever read for the podcast was. And I am going to put a juxtapose that question with another question, which is what we think the best book we read for the podcast was. Black Hills by Nora Roberts. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, it's hard, it's hard for me to choose a best because I, I love the Nora Roberts books. Like I, I have become like a full on Nora fan, but I do think perhaps more, I think the Nora books have had a bigger impact on my like reading life. Because, you know, we read her all the time. She has, like, a place in podcast lore. Uh, there is a Nora emoji on the Respect <laughs> Sellers Discord. Like, yeah. Nora has become a way of life for us. But I do think perhaps the book that I enjoyed the most that we read for the podcast was – now I fucking can't remember the name of it. Was it the Green Alyssa- Lights by Matthew McConaughey? No, it was the Alyssa Cole one. Oh, yeah. Was it A Princess on Paper? Or did, would you read another one of those? I, I've read all of them now. So I can't remember which one we initially read for the podcast. Yeah. Yeah, Alyssa Cole, also great. For sure, for sure, for sure. Um, but my my worst, I usually just say Dianetics because it was very, very long in addition to being actively harmful and bad. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I do have a what's the opposite of a soft spot another traumatic memory <laughs> another another dark piece spot of, for of trauma put onto my brain by the christmas sweater by glenn beck a princess in theory oh yes george a princess on paper i don't think is one i think i made that up um princess in theory george has arrived because he's like i hate all the books that we read where people are cruel to cats and that's so true uh, I also hate that. We, because worst book is such a um, frequently asked question for one of our Patreon stretch goals, we actually like set up one of those clicky things where it's like, which was worse, this or this? And then it creates like a power ranking for you of like what's best and what's worst. But that was like maybe a hundred books ago. Like I think we did that around the time of our hundredth episode. But I think from that dianetics came up worse for you and i think the christmas sweater came up worse for me and i think because we have talked about this before when we were trying to figure out how to do our ranking like should we do some kind of like um rubric where like we there's different like is it it's it worse in terms of prose or is it worse in terms of like its actual effects on the world or whatever but the christmas sweater by glenn beck i mean it truly upset me it truly left me with this just like aching feeling after i read it of just like oh now george is purring he's such a good boy you guys oh my god he is like three seconds away from knocking over the microphone but right now he's like purring he's so cute he's come to heal me from the pain caused by glenn beck thank you baby boy oh my gosh um sometimes people ask why i don't shut the door when I'm recording so Dorothy doesn't come in and like first of all how dare you and second of all because Dorothy can open doors so it would be pointless <laughs> um oh my gosh 
Yeah, the the Christmas like I take Kate's point that Dianetics like that Scientology has done a lot of harm and Dianetics was like really long and nonsense. But the Christmas sweater just made me feel so bad. What else? I mean, sometimes people ask us to read like political books, like a, like a Trump book or whatever. We did, I think the closest we came, we read one Fox News book by Greg Gutfield, who I hadn't really heard of before. Um, and occasionally now I see stories about him, like saying some dumb shit in Fox News. I'm like, fuck that guy. But that was, I think maybe in 2015 or 2014, even that we read that. And I feel like the political landscape has changed enough since then, even that we are just like, we don't want to put any more of that toxic shit into our brains, or like into our feeds. Like we're not a political podcast, but we're not, I'm trying to think like, I think that people listening, like our political views and like where we stand on the political spectrum is not a secret. And I don't like, I don't really want it to be, but I also like, we're not out here being a political commentary podcast. Like I think a lot of people say like, you guys are kind of a nice distraction, a nice break from like all of the nasty politics. And I think that is valuable. And so I don't want to read any more Fox News shit. Because if you want that, it's out there. Yeah, I, you know, I concur. There's a lot of there's a lot of lines that we have drawn at various points during this podcast. We've read a couple like we read Killing Lincoln. We've read like other Fox yeah, News Bill personality Bill O'Reilly books. I almost feel like is like adjacent because like yeah he sucks and he's from Fox News but at least like that was sort of a pseudo historical viewpoint on it as opposed to Greg Gutfeld who was just like liberals are stupid and they like lattes or like whatever the fuck. Yeah. You know it's just like there's enough there's enough toxic toxic stuff in the books that we read without having them be like supporting people who are trying to destroy the world (laughs) yeah 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 and even like obviously we got those books from the library and didn't spend money on them but even i just feel like to like i think the greg gutfield one we did have to spend money on because i think it was new i mm, I hate that for us yeah i check out at this time Anyway, so that's occasionally people still are like, oh, you guys should read Trump book. And just like, we're not going to. And I'm sure there's other podcasts that have and that will do like, you know, a funny or insightful job of talking about it. But like, that's not for us. And sort of the converse of that, converse, the inverse of that sort of is that people will frequently ask us to do like, you should do a John Green book or like you should do like whoever like a popular writer who has won many awards <laughs> they'll mm-hmm. be like well why aren't, why aren't you covering these and like to be honest like maybe one day we will for fun but not mm-hmm. for for bad yeah not for bad like not, i get not everything that's popular is bad yes and i get like the impulse to be like well everyone loves this and is talking about it so you should do it because like it's probably terrible but like you know, this comes up a lot with John Green in particular. It did. It's less so now that he's faded a little bit from the spotlight, I think. Yeah. But, you know, it, they're not bad books. They're not bad. And yeah, like John Green's main problem was that he got held up as, like, the savior of young adult literature. And, like, as a straight white man, everyone was like, um, more women write YA. And, like, why are we talking about him? But then it was just like, now we're still talking about him because we're talking about why are we talking about John Green? And I think he was aware of that. And I think he is very intentionally sort of stepped back. And he's also, 
this is a John Green defense podcast. Like, yeah. He's also like done his part to be like, oh, you know what? Like, why don't we talk about Ashley Ford? Like, why don't we talk about uh, like writers of color? Why don't we stop talking about my books? And like, I, I think he's a good boy. Yeah. You know, but also I feel like when I, I'm using John Green, there have been other authors who people have given us the same treatment for. Mm-hmm. Um. John Green is the only one I can think of off the top of my head because I clearly do my podcast homework very, very well all the mm. time. I um, mean, like Hunger Games, I think, is one where we're like, no, Hunger Games slaps. Yeah. It would and be I, fun to talk about it just because I feel like we're always invoking it to be like, I feel like it could be fun to just break it down and be like, this is why it's better than Maze Runner. This is why yes. it's better than this. This is why. But um, but yeah, like I, I do encourage people before they ask us about things like that. To, like, take a moment with yourself and think about, like, why you think this particular author or this particular book deserves to be publicly hated on. And if you're maybe unintentionally falling into the same trap that a lot of, like, the Twilight haters and the, you know, people who are putting down romance novels are falling into. Which is not – it's society. Society raised us to be like this. Society raised us with this like baked in misogyny towards things that women and girls like aren't good, that things that are popular with teenage girls aren't good, that things that are popular with women aren't good. And sometimes that's true. Sometimes you're looking at a Fifty Shades, which on a sentence level is very poor writing. And sometimes you're looking at a John Green who deserves the awards that he's gotten because he's really turning a lot of tropes on their head in interesting books for teens. And those are my thoughts on that. Yes. Sometimes people also just ask, like, how do you decide what you're doing in the podcast? And, like, what? And the truth is it is just, like, a really chaotic spreadsheet that is powered by vibes. Like, there is a request form. And if there's something you want us to read, I do, like, please put in the request form, which you can find on our website. Like, don't just tweet at us because the tweets just get less in the ether. And we we are not responsible enough to gather things. Like, you have to put it in the Google form and then Google will keep it for us. And we do look at it, even though you might be like, well, I sent this in years ago and you never read it. But, like, it wasn't its time yet. Like, we do look at it. And it's sort of a balance of, like, what do we kind of feel like reading? Like what guests do we want to talk to and what might they feel like reading? Oh, we've done kind of a couple romances in a while. Like maybe it's time to do a sci-fi. Like um, we do kind of consciously try to make sure that we are reading more books by men, which is like the only time in my life. I I feel like the way that we prepare this is so opposite of the way, like outside of podcasts, I'm like, okay, I really want to focus on making sure I'm reading like, new books by authors of color. I want to be reading books by queer people. I want to be reading the, and then for the podcast is like, well, we got to We got to have more straight white men in here. Like, what are they doing? Yeah. Um, which I think is the function of our podcast. Like we are two white ladies. Like we don't, you know, I'm sure that there are like black authors out here re- writing like trash books, but like we've got a lot of white men to get through before we can really like start sitting there and unpacking maybe some of that, frankly. Yes. And also, this is a thing that we've brought up at some other point. It might have been in a newsletter or something when um, several people had asked us to do the boy in the striped pajamas. Oof, yeah. And we are both Gentiles, and that does not feel like the carton of eggs that we want to open. That's not how 
the metaphor goes. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna use eggs. I'm gonna hard boil Daryl them. Fish. No, I'm, done, I'm gonna decorate them for Easter. What am I thinking of? <laughs> I think kettle of fish. Kettle of fish. That or can not, of worms. The can of worms. That's what I was thinking of. That's not a can of worms that we particularly are qualified to uh, open. However, you Let's know. Keep those if, worms in that can. If there is a a book that you, like, feel strongly about misrepresents you or your culture or your gender or your sexuality or your race or your religion or whatever, if you recommend yourself as a guest and explain that that's part of it, like that is something that will take into account. But yeah, like if you're just to recommend something that is by, yeah, like that's like we want when when it comes to stuff like that, like obviously we're going to call out racism and anti-Semitism and homophobia and transphobia and stuff when we see it in books that we're reading but if it if it goes deeper into a front like if the whole concept of the badness is surrounding one of those things unless it's something that we personally that is a characteristic that one of us has like that feels better to be coming from a, a look of that in depth of a look feels better to be coming from a person with lived experience yes does that make sense it does make sense kate it makes more sense than the phrase can of worms yes why are they in the can? Free them. I think kettle of fish is what I wanted to say just because that is something that I say a lot, but in the moment I panicked. Yeah. Anyway. That makes sense. Put yeah. the fish in the kettle. That's fine. If you eat fish, which I don't. So I think that's mostly what we want to say about the podcast and such. And now we're moving on to talk about like our personal lives. So if you're not interested in that, bye. And if you, <laughs> if you are... Hello. Um. Oh. <laughs> well, I know that's not the order that we put these in. Um, but do you maybe want to skip down to the second half of this section? I now do. that Duarte's made his presence known. <laughs> yeah, so here's a question that came from our captain sister Grace. And the question is, why is Duarte just a little guy? Did he choose that life, or did that life choose him? Well, what do you think, Georgia? Oh my god, that's so smart! Oh wow, yeah, that's really, it's really moving, Dorte. Uh huh. Um, one thing that the pandemic revealed to me about myself is this tick I had that I truly wasn't aware that I was doing consciously. Oh, bud. Okay. It's really hard to be Duarte because he's such a little guy. Um, but whenever I see Duarte, like I just unconsciously, like unprompted, just what comes out of my mouth is like, oh my gosh, are you just a little guy? Why are you such a little guy? <laughs> and so, which had been a secret to most people because mostly people um, don't come to our home. Mostly I go to other people's homes. Which sounds mysterious, but it's mostly just like people are allergic to cats or whatever. And so I, and I'm, and I'm not a party hostess queen the way that Kate is. So for also, a variety of reasons. Some, some of us overcome our pet allergy to go to Renata's home. Yes. Thank you. Uh, and I do appreciate that, but I don't request it all the time. Yes. Anyway, the point is a lot of people that know me in real life hadn't maybe seen me interact with Duarte that frequently, but then when pandemic happened and we moved to like Zoom activities 
And speaking of, of Zoom, like Duarte will get the Zoomies and he'll just be like running back and forth around the house, which is fine. Except that every time he would come in or out of the room, I'd be like, oh, are you just a little guy? And everyone on Zoom would be like, Renata, you've said that like 20 times. I was like, oh, what? like what? <laughs> and then – and now I feel like I say it less because I've become – conscious of it and aware but it truly was just like it would just come out of my mouth when I look at Dorothy I'm like what a little guy because the thing is is he is just a little guy he is just a little guy both spiritually and also if you've not like seen that that's the thing that I've heard from folks who have seen Dorothy for the first time in my presence Mm -hmm. or have talked about meeting Dorothy for the first time to me afterwards they're just like he's much smaller than I expected (laughs) Yeah, he has a big personality and a small, a small little guy body. Yes, he's um he weighs depending like nine or ten pounds depending on how much he's been eaten lately, but he's sort of like he has like a cultish little frame, like he has like long legs proportionally for a cat, and it just makes him look like a skinny little guy. Yeah. And well, while I'm on Duarte, yeah, let's just rearrange this whole thing. So um, Duarte, sometimes I talk about him being Dominican and I occasionally I'm like, oh, do people just think I'm being like weirdly like racist toward my cat somehow? And like, he's literally Dominican. I served as a Peace Corps volunteer in the Dominican Republic, which I know I've talked about in the podcast because it was so important to me on a personal and pop cultural level, my time in Peace Corps, which was from 2008 to 2010. And during that time I found Duarte in the garbage and my mom was visiting also, which was actually lucky because like she had run out of car. So she was able to help me get this like tiny baby. Cause he was too baby. He was such an extremely little guy that he Shouldn't have been separated from his mom, but he was because he was in the garbage by himself. And so she was able to help me take him to this like vet that made that was like mostly for expats. And we had to like drop or feed him for a while. And he was, I repeat, such a little guy. And because he was so small, like I couldn't leave him alone. And like I took him to like a Peace Corps Thanksgiving party. And he just sort of like rode around on my shoulder because he was such a little guy. So he was like a huge part of my Peace Corps service. And he is named Duarte because one of the founding fathers of the Dominican Dominican Republic was named Juan, Juan Paul Duarte. And they named all their shit after Duarte. Like if you look in the US and everything's like named Washington, uh, it's like that in the DR. Like all their shit is named Duarte. And so it was just like, well, obviously one more one more Duarte and that's Duarte and that's why he's named Duarte and that's why and he said in his own words why he's such a little guy so I hope that was helpful and here's a tangentially related question um from listener Marcy this one's more for Renata that's me what exactly (laughs) is the Peace Corps why did you volunteer what did you do as a volunteer if you went back in time, would you do it all over again? How old were you when you volunteered? Did you get breaks where you could travel back to the U.S., etc.? I'm from Canada, so I'm not super familiar with the Peace Corps. And that's that's fine, Marcy. Congrats. I mean, can- Canadian, love your health care for you. And even people in the U.S. aren't necessarily super familiar with it. And this is actually one of my pet peeves, is I feel like a lot of TV shows and movies use Peace Corps as just like a shorthand for any kind of like travel or like to show that a character is like taking a little break and it's just like 
oh yeah I'm just gonna go join the Peace Corps and then they kind of just like do it and then they come back by the next episode and it's like well that's not anything but so for starters I'm just going to have um our good friend Matthew McConaughey describe the Peace Corps to you would it be crazy if you just stopped everything packed your bags and left for a week a month a year what if you left for two years Would people think you'd lost your mind? What if you were going far away to help in a village on the edge of the Gobi Desert? A village crowded with Buddhist temples, not skyscrapers. A place where there isn't a word for recluse, but a thousand words for community. Would it be crazy to go 5,000 miles from home? To spend time with people the rest of the world only reads about? To build libraries and fill them with stories? Prepare a meal with food you helped grow? To teach children and learn a thing or two about yourself. Would that be crazy? Peace Corps. Life is calling. How far will you go? To find out more, call 1-800-424-8580 or visit peacecorps.gov. Yes, I hope that answered all your questions about Peace Corps. Um, it's a it's a government organization that sends American volunteers to live in developing countries for two years with the goal of capacity building projects, meaning that we are meant to live among people in the communities and train them so that they can keep doing the work after you leave. So it's not just like, oh, you get a grant and like, here's your here's your new water tank. Goodbye forever. Like that's not what Peace Corps is meant to be about. And it's something I'd heard about it growing up. Like I had, there were kind of people in my uh, adult social, like, you know, family friends who had done it or whatever. And I was just sort of captivated by it. And, you know, I did, I wanted to be able to travel. I, I wanted to go and like help people. I want, like, I just, everything about it was appealing to me. And it was just sort of like, that's definitely what I'm doing. You know, like what I, I knew that I wanted to apply for it. I knew that I wanted to do it. And it was, they've changed the way that Peace Corps applications work now. And, but the way they used to work is you would just apply for like the Peace Corps and they would like send you to any placement. Like when you filled it out, you had to say like, I'm willing to go wherever you send me. And I thought the like mystery of that was so cool. It's just like, they could send you anywhere. And then it turns out I did get sent to like the site that is literally closest to the U S like I did (laughs) not get sent very far at all, which is okay. Um, and I had specifically, you could indicate a preference. And I said, I would prefer to go somewhere Spanish speaking because I'd studied Spanish in college. And I just thought like, well, if I'm going to acquire a language, it would be more useful to learn Spanish than, you know, a lot of places you learn a local language that's not spoken by very, very many people, which is very cool. But then I don't know, like I, to me, I thought it would be cool to learn Spanish. And then I forgot Spanish. So fuck me, I guess. But so I indicated a preference for Spanish and they called and said, Hey, we could send you to Spanish speaking Caribbean and we have a placement in information technology. And I was like, Oh, well, cool, but are you sure I'm qualified for that? Because I don't like I know that much about computers. And they're like, No, you're fine, you're fine. And I was like, Yeah, okay, then I accept this position. Thanks. Bye. And then literally years later, a friend of mine, like post Peace Corps, got a job working for Peace Corps in Washington, DC in their main office. 
And most of the people who work at Peace Corps office like had served as volunteers. And so she was like chatting with someone. She was like, oh yeah, I was Peace Corps DR 0801, which is the name of our group. And they were like, oh, you were part of that like test pilot group. And she was like, "Ah, sorry, what are you talking about? And he was like, oh my God. And it turns out that Peace Corps had done some kind of test pilot where they were like, what if we sent unqualified volunteers to see if we could train the volunteers to make them qualified and just how would that go and the answer is it did not go well and we all just had like crippling anxiety about feeling unqualified for the shit we were supposed to do and it was not a good time (laughs) it was not a good time it was i'm glad i did it and i would like in terms of if you turn back the clock and sent me back to 2007, we're like, hey, are you still going to do Peace Corps next year? I'd be like, yeah. But if you were like, hey, Renata, do you want to go do Peace Corps again right now in 2022? I'd be like, no, I'm done with that phase of my life. Like, I'm glad I did it. It was really hard. It really, I like to tell people that it ruined my teeth and my mental health. And it did do that. But I made really good friends from it. I grew a lot as a person from it. I got my beloved cat Duarte from it. I brought him back in my carry-on bag. He's, you know, the light of my life. I would recommend people do it. I still recommend people apply for Peace Corps if they can or, like, whatever service you can. I think there's been a, a fair amount more recently written about, like, is the whole concept of Peace Corps problematic? Like this kind of white savior thing and like blah, blah, blah. And I I think honestly, like Peace Corps service is probably more valuable for the Americans who go than it is for the communities they serve. But like, it's not the worst thing. You know, I still think the, the amount of money the US spends on Peace Corps, which is like fully negligible compared to what they spend on the army. Like, I don't think it's the worst use of that money. Uh, I recently read a, a, a Peace Corps member called An Indian Among Los Indigenas by Ursula Pike, who was and uh, is, she's not dead. She's an American Indian woman who served in um, Bolivia, hence the title. And she talked a lot about like just feeling like she wasn't being the most useful, blah, blah, blah. And then some like British anthropologist was wanted to talk to her about her work. And she, the anthropologist was just casually like, oh, don't you think it would be a better use of money if the U.S. just like gave the Peace Corps budget directly to the country instead of sending you here? And Ursula was like, oh, and I was like, oh, God, like if someone asked me that same question, I, like, I would not have left bed for like a week. Like I just but also maybe. But also I'm glad I did it. Um, does that answer the question? Oh, how old was I? I did it right after college. So it was from 2008 to 2010. So I think I was 22 to 24 when I did it. Did I get breaks? Yes, you got vacation time. I took one trip back to the US in the middle of my service, um, which I think we'll get to that. (laughs) Well, honestly, like, like, but let's just keep it flowing and I'll get okay. to it like in this moment. Um, right. Yes, I got one trip back and also people could come visit and they did that. Yeah, so that was Peace Corps. Thank you to Matthew McConaughey for explaining. And so, oh, you know, this is also from Marcy. So we'll just keep answering Marcy's questions. Actually, no, we'll skip Marcy's question. Yeah, let's Dominique go. Dominique asks, how did you meet and what were your initial opinions of each other? And here, here's the thing that I, and I talked about this with the young person who interviewed us for the Globe too. I think that you usually say that we met on a rent forum, but we didn't yeah. meet on a rent forum. We met on a mailing list. Yeah. 
I know it's just easier to say it that way. Yes. But like, let's get into it. Okay. Um. So back in 1999, I guess. Stop it. I know. So there are probably people listening to this who weren't born yet. That's okay. Yeah. That's good for you. Enjoy your youth. Enjoy it. <laughs> in our youth, uh, we were teens, young teens, and uh, we were both very into the musical Rent. And I, back then, this was pre Arc of Our Own, pre Live Journal, even pre almost pre fanfiction.net where people were hosting their own fan sites on things like GeoCities or Angel Fire. And so, you know, I was looking at all the Rent fan sites and making friends with various people. And I made friends with a girl named Brie, who, after we've been talking about Rent and Rent fan fiction for a while, said, hey, I'm on this mailing list. It's not about Rent, but like everyone on it loves Rent. And I think you should join. And I was like, oh, okay. So Bree sent me the sign up email to join Renata's miscellaneous list, aka mm-hmm. RML. Yes. And this is a thing you could do in those days and it didn't sound as unhinged as it does now to be like, I started a mailing list and called it Renata's miscellaneous list. Like everyone had mailing lists. Like every you could start a mailing list for anything about anything, you know, one just for your friends. There were mailing lists for like, this is about Harry Potter fan fiction. This is about adult Harry Potter fan fiction. This is about Harry Potter fan fiction, just this one pairing. This is about Harry Potter fan fiction, just this one character. This is about Harry Potter fan fiction, just this one pairing, but I don't like those people. So I started my own. Like anyone could make Mm -hmm. a mailing list for literally any reason. Mm -hmm. And when you were a teen and you were on these mailing lists, you just got to like be unhinged. It was like simultaneous to, but also parallel to how people were acting on like IRC and forums. Yes. And so also the, by the way, the reason that I started RML was because I was on this Animorphs mailing list. And because I was like, like a, a teen who was not that cool in real life. I was like experimenting with acting out online. <laughs> and I, I got like in trouble for going off topic on the Animorphs mailing list. Cause I was like, we should only be talking about Animorphs. And so I was like, okay, well that's why it was a miscellaneous list. Cause I was like, okay, well you can talk about everything besides Animorphs on this. And so a lot of people came from that Animorphs list. Cause I think that was, well, I was on a rent one as well. That was famously mean. <laughs> it's like a famously mean mailing list, but I was like, I want to be here. And then, um, yeah, RML was our email list. And by the way, so my first impression of Kate was in fact jealousy because Brie was like, oh, I want to invite Kate to this list. And like, she's so funny and cool. And I think you would like her. And I was like, you're my friend. Like, why do you, why are you talking about how funny and cool Kate is? <laughs> and then um, I was like, she's not that cool, I bet. And then you came and I was like, damn it. <laughs> and now um i mean we still are okay here's the thing is i feel like we can either say like the full name of brie and reveal like that she is now like a legit best-selling author or we can say some other things about her (laughs) not mean things not mean things but like maybe mildly embarrassing things about her let's let's go the mildly embarrassing route let's keep it an air of mystery she can out herself if she wants to 
Yeah. We should have her on the podcast, though. I can't believe we haven't yet. Yeah. Like, here's the thing. We're both still, like, lightly in touch with her, but, like, obviously, Brie lost the friendship battle, and, like, we became the true friends. Yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, and I will say first that, like, because I had been on many other mailing lists for a while, and I, like... When you join a mailing list, there's, like, certain rules, and you don't want to be labeled a newbie. Like, you will be because you're new, but you want to show, like, oh, like, I paid attention. And at least at other mailing lists I was on previous to RML, like, this was a big thing. Like, you couldn't just, like, storm in and start, like, acting weird and, like, breaking the rules and not – it's going to say bad when I say, like, not conforming to the list, but, like (laughs) – you yeah. know, one thing you'd back... Get, yeah, you'd have to go and start your own spinoff list. Yes. And <laughs> one of the things was, like, this was before a lot of places had automatic email replies. So you, when you were replying to a message, you needed to make sure you had quoted the message so people knew what you were replying to as an example of one. And, like, people would come in and just start replying to all these emails and saying things, but without quoting the message, so no one know what they're talking about. So, like that was so. When I first came on, I was very intimidated by Renata and um, many other people on the list, including Priscilla jumps to mind, who's going by Ellie back then, Priscilla. Yeah, yeah, and who has been on the podcast and who we're still friends with. Yes, and I was intimidated by Renata, and I was just like mostly obsessed with being like, I want to be good at. A mailing list. I'm going to be good yeah, at mailing I, list. I want to receive a good grade at yes. mailing list, which is possible <laughs> and normal. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I was very, uh, I was very flattered and excited when Renata like messaged me. I think on like AIM or something. It was basically like, I think you're like cool and like let's be friends. I mean, not exactly like that, but like outside of the mailing list, I was like, oh, Renata likes me. Like, yeah. Okay, I do like you. Excellent. That works out really well for this podcast, to be honest. <laughs> anyway, what were some mildly embarrassing but things you were going to say about Brie? Well, I was going to say, I feel like we can either reveal like the, t- the titles that she's the best looking author of, or we can talk about how she was really into like cats fan fiction. Yes, yes. We can do that. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And it was like. like, I met her in real life first because she's also from Illinois. So she she and I lived relatively close to each other. Yeah. I actually met her in real life before I met you too, because she was taking a trip to New York to see Rent. So I went into the city (laughs) and I met her. Is there any other reason to go to New York? Do they have other things there? <laughs> not not when you're, you know, 14. <laughs> on the yeah. internet obsessed with the rent. Yeah. I was also really jealous that you live so close to New York. I was like, oh, Kate seen it on Broadway? Fuck. Which like, is funny because, like, at, since all of the people who I was friends with for a long time before I started going on my own in person more often, when I got a little older, everyone I was friends with was very into, like, the Bennies. So I was like... I wish I Which was the name the of the touring cast. Yeah. yeah. You know, you all had like all these inside jokes and these like performances and all of this stuff from seeing the Bennies together. And I was like, oh, I'm never going to see Matt Kaplan. Jokes on me. Yeah. LOL. <laughs> <laughs> jokes on me. I saw Matt Kaplan and then eventually he didn't like me anymore. He doesn't. Wait, what? What happened? Uh, I mean, not. Uh, so. Should this go. Should this go off air? No, no, it can go on air, but I don't know if we want to wait until further down the rent line if we're still talking about RML and Okay, okay, okay. Well, I'll just I'll just say it. So, cuz otherwise I'll forget it. Um Matt Kaplan famously played Mark on the Benny Tour for a very long time and then transferred to Broadway where he played Mark on Broadway for a very long time. And I was friends with a gentleman named Sebastian Arcellus who 
understudied Mark among other roles. And I, the first time I ever, the second time I ever saw Sebastian was playing Mark and I thought his Mark was phenomenal and I wanted to see it again, but they had tracked him more closely to Roger than Mark. So he very rarely went on as Mark. And then he went on as Roger for like six months, which was a whole other thing. But it got to a point when Seb was back to swinging where I would ask Matt when he was going to be out like a lot. Like I started asking him a lot, like because it's it's it was common for people who saw the show all the time to like say to the actors like, "Hey, like, you know, you were so great," like, and like try to figure out like when people were going on vacation, and like usually like you would like couch it in such a way like, "Oh, like I'm bringing my friend to the show sometime in the next two months." Like she really wants to see you. Are you going to be out at any point? And really, what you're doing is trying to figure out when the main cast member is going on vacation so you can see the understudy you want to see. Well, by like the 10th time I asked him that, it became pretty clear. And the fact that he knew that I was very close to Sebastian, um, <laughs> it became pretty clear why I was asking him to the point where several times he would just say to me, I don't know when I'm going to be out. Thanks. <laughs> which to be honest very rude it was very rude of me as a teen to be saying this to this gentleman who's just trying to do his fucking job but yeah yeah it did cause some animosity between myself and matt kaplan but back so in funny. 1999 i so badly wanted to see matt kaplan play mark <laughs> no yeah oh yeah oh yes yes um and it, by the way he's fine he's perfectly he's perfectly cromulent mark yeah um, okay, so here's, I'm going to transition into something just a little sad. We're going to take it down to a sad part of the podcast. Yeah. Um, so during this same time of, of internet time, uh, I also met my really good friend, Megan, who lived in Iowa, and she and I were on a on the Rent Sonic email list, which, Kate, I don't even know if you were on Sonic. No, I assumed Sonic was the one you were saying was um, notorious for being mean. It was famously I was, mean. I was afraid to join it because I was a sensitive little yeah. girl. Yeah. Um. So by making through that, I think we were about the youngest people on it because it was so famously mean. And so we, um, like people were mean to me, but I was like, LOL. I don't know. Um, but we met that way and we chatted on instant messenger so much and we became, and then like she was on RML and we, she was on compulsive bowlers, which was this other rent forum. And just like any, like we were just on all the same internets basically. And like, I, you know, I know Kate knew Megan as well, but because Megan lived in Iowa and I lived in Illinois and both of our parents were very, um, permissive and accepting of our weird obsession with rent they would enable us to go and see rent together in different cities of the midwest and so we saw each other a lot and we talked on instant messenger so much and so fast and we were so stupid (laughs) that um sometimes people are like oh why is your why is the website frowl.org like what is that and frowl is something we made up because we would type back and forth so much like it was just typo laden aims constantly we would type instead of doing a frown emoji, we would do like asterisk frown asterisk to indicate that we were frowning. And guys, this is before emojis. Yes. This this is how it was back then. If there had been emojis, like I don't even know what our website would be. (laughs) Well, it would probably just be worstbestsellers.com because I wouldn't have those. But um, (laughs) we thought, but because we typed so much, like we would always misspell each other's names. And so like we called each other Rianta and Miagna because of typos. And it was just that time when like 
you were just like so happy to have this like friendship that you just thought anything that you guys did together was very funny, which is also very much the vibes of me and Kate in her book. <laughs> we also have a ton of like very stupid inside jokes. Yes. Um, and but so one of them was frowl instead of frown. And then we're like, oh, well, that's even better because a frown is like when you're frowning and growling because you're so mad. And so we were like, frowl, frowl, frowl. And then she and I together got this domain, frowl.org, that was originally for like our dumb blogs. And then we put like a rent site on it. And then we kind of had a, a little collective where we're like, oh, we actually have more space in frowl.org. Like, so Kate had her writing website on there and other people, there's just like a bunch of weird shit on frowl.org from our weird little friends. Um, and then, so that was why we had that. And then in 2009, um, Megan died very suddenly and, and it was, was and remains extremely sad. Um, she was 25. It was very sad. And so now I like frowl.org is sort of like a little legacy where I'm like, I just don't think I could ever stand to like let this, you know, expire. And so for a long time, honestly, I kept it up and I wasn't really using it for anything. I was just like, I, this is in some way Megan's legacy is frowl.org. <laughs> and even though no one really, really knows what the fuck this is. And then when Kate and I started the podcast, I was like, Ooh, well, we have all this storage space on frowl.org that I've been paying for and not using. Like, let's use that. And so that's why it's that. And that's why uh, I'm not going to change it <laughs> to, to, to anything else. And so that was the when I took my break back to the U.S. in Peace Corps. Like, I went to Megan's funeral. And, like, so, I mean, it was, it was challenging. <laughs> it was a challenging time. Yeah. That was, I, like Renata said, I knew Megan too. She posted on the mailing list and we were friends outside of it. We would also, you know, I am and read each other's blogs and stuff. And I, I met her a couple times, I think both times when I was visiting Renata and we just like also were like, well, while you're out in the Midwest, we might as well go see Megan too. Yeah, totally. <laughs> you know, and she was, she was great and I miss her too. And I, just to like echo what Renata said, like I know, I know rent feels very quote unquote cringe to many people right now, but I cannot express to you the level on which this show was our lives between like 1999 and the early to mid aughts. Yeah. Like it was, this was like what we did. It was our, basically our personality was liking rent. Oh, big time. Yeah. For sure. For sure. For sure. Um, and it was, it was, yeah. And it was another so another thing is not to we were we were kind of we were kind of mean girls on the internet. Um, but I do remember another like cool thing about RML was after like Megan joined and Renata was like, you know, it's my friend from this other mailing list and whatever. Like I thought Megan and Renata were so cool. Like they were so much cooler than me. They got to like rush rent, which was when you would wait overnight for the cheap tickets in the front two rows, which I didn't do in New York because in New York they got rid of the rush and they changed it to a lottery. Um, and that was so cool to me. And they were like best friends. And so, and 
like the first time that the two of them invited me out of like a chat that we were in into like a private chat with just the three of us. <laughs> I was like, I fucking made it. Like this is, th- it was the equivalent of having like, you know, your group chat with like all your friends and then like your group chat, like without those two people so that you could talk a little bit of shit behind them behind yeah. their back. And I was like, this is the greatest day of my fucking life. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. I mean, Megan is someone, if she were still alive, she definitely would have been a guest on the podcast. Like, Yes. She, um, she, You would know her. You would love her. You would follow her on Twitter. Like she, you. She would be so funny on Twitter. Like Twitter is so, bad, but Megan would have been funny on Twitter. It's just like fucking garbage that you guys don't get to know Megan. Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry for you guys, frankly. <laughs> okay. So now let me go to a slightly um, happier place. Um, Marcy asks, Hey ladies, I think you've said your friendship originated at a rent forum. As Kate said, I have said that and it was slightly inaccurate, but perhaps easier to understand. Uh, if you became friends in the 2020s, what contemporary musical forum slash fan channel do you think you'd meet on today? And this is, this is interesting. This is an interesting question. Like I do feel like the only musical that we've had, like, extreme fanish overlap about has been hamilton since then oh yeah yeah like because like yeah we both like musicals still obviously but our tastes have have diverged slightly i think and also there's just like I, i don't know i guess there's maybe not more musicals now but it feels like a different landscape it's like i feel like because like musical fandom in and of itself has become more of a thing like rent like Rent started like resonated a lot with young people who I think in like the late 90s, early aughts were on the internet making the fan sites. That's so true. Yeah. Like there were some like really big like Phantom fans and Cats fans out there, but they weren't like not on the level that Rent fans were. Here's my fucking little claim to fame. Um, so prior to me writing a letter to the guy, the singular man at the time who was running fanfiction.net, there was no like musical section on fanfiction.net, but I had all this rent fanfiction that I had written and fanfiction.net was the only like big public upload it yourself fanfic archive that was around at the time. So I essentially like wrote him an email and was like, Hey, like, could we get a section for musicals? And that's where the musicals and plays section on fanfiction.net came from. I didn't know that. You must have known it at some point and forgotten it. Yeah. But yeah, so that like, it was, it it was like on the level of Hamilton where like lots of young people were suddenly very into it, even if they weren't like, we both were into theater beforehand. Actually, I wasn't really like, Rent really got me into theater. Yeah. So, so yeah, Rent got Renata into theater. Like it was, it was a thing that got a lot of younger people into theater. So it does feel like Hamilton is the correct answer. Yeah. But I mean, I think it's interesting because like the fan, like I love Hamilton, Hamilton, (laughs) but I wasn't really in any Hamilton message boards because we're not really doing that now. Like I guess Tumblr, but yeah. even like I'm so set in my ways, I didn't go and like follow any Hamilton tumblers. They just sort of like came to me. Like, but yeah, I guess if I were going to seek something out like that, it would be for Hamilton. Yeah. Like um, my like the thing that I still like consistently seek out like that is Dave Malloy related content. Mm-hmm. But Renata does not vibe with Dave Malloy the same way I do. I don't. The other thing, like for for musicals specifically, I do think Hamilton is the answer. It is also interesting because like 
you know, we were super tight about rent and then we had kind of a friendship fade phase where it was just sort of like, we're in different phases right now. And then we also really reconnected to over X-Men yeah. um, first class. Yeah. So, uh, so X-Men Marvel, we would also meet there. Although yeah. again, currently I'm not really on that. Yeah. Either. But. We had both been into X-Men as kids yeah, I think we talked about this. We've definitely talked about this before. Like we were very into the cartoon. I was into the comics, and we were into the first trilogy of movies. And then, so yeah, like X Men First Class coming out so many years later had really given that time to like lie dormant. And then when it came back, it was that reminder of like, oh yes, you like these people. Yeah, yeah. So that's the other answer. And then I think a, a third tertiary answer where we possibly could have met is just from like book Twitter. Like library, tw- I, although I don't know, like, because I was on library Twitter because of being a librarian. I yeah, guess you really I'm, only got there because of the podcast. Yeah, like I, I was not, like I said before, like I've never been, even though I, like clearly now because of the podcast, like books is part of my, like thing, my brand. I was more on like general nonsense Twitter. I wasn't like really tapped into library Twitter or book Twitter, but now because I have so many friends who are writers or editors or agents or librarians because of this podcast, like I, well, when I was on Twitter, I was like hooked into book Twitter, but I don't know that I would have found my way there otherwise. So thank God for Ren, I guess. Thank God. No day but today. Yeah. Okay. Anonymous asks... And I almost like because this came in like right before recording. Like, Kate, did you uh, did you ask this? Did you ask what are your favorite things about each other? No, this. Okay, well, because I was just. I like, wonder if it was no, because she would have signed her name. I, Sarah, a friend of the show, Sarah, texted me yesterday and was like, "I'm trying to come up with something funny to put on in your Q and A, but I can't think of anything." Yeah. But I think well, she would have gone for funny and signed her name. Yeah. Okay. Well, what are our favorite things about each other? And. Uh, actually, I have a, a tangent that I will delay answering by showing this tangent. Um, very like yesterday, my friend Jake was like, "Oh, you know, I Renata, I just want to say that like he like he had something specific to say about our how to be a boss bitch episode because of he also likes Selling Sunset." But then he was like, "Also, like I'm just really jealous that you get to be friends with Kate." And I was like, "Yeah, you're right. <laughs> like you should be jealous." And also, so yesterday, Kate, I saw you and you gave me a gift and you said you wanted me to open it on podcast. Yes. And can I open it now? Yes. Is it's, there a designated time? No, I just wanted you to open it. So this is, I okay. got Renata an anniversary gift. Mm. And, and I got um, one for me too. Oh, and my favorite thing about Kate is she's so thoughtful like this, but my least favorite thing is that she sprung this on me and now I don't have anything for her. Now I look like a dick on the podcast. That's fine. It wasn't, I just thought it would be funny to open it on air. I've opened it. Oh no, it fell out. Oh no. Okay. It is a locket. <laughs> it is a locket with Twilight book cover on it, and then there's a note in it that fell out. Hold, please. Oh, I owe you pics of the rock and Wolverine. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> I wish I've been so busy with the party. I wanted so bad to have those pictures to put in it for you to open. Oh my god. I, you know what? I'll. I'll print them at my work and then bring them to you. Excellent, yes. You. <laughs> oh, thank you, Kate. You're welcome. Yeah, I think, you know, it's funny because we've talked about our love languages and Kate said her love language is personal time or t- what is it? It's not personal time. Quality time. Yes. And I said mine is gifts. But I think that we're still very compatible because I think we're both people who really 
like to go out of our way to like let people in our lives know that we cherish them through whether it's through like you know small thoughtful gifts like this um twilight locket or just like showing up when needed like i think i think that's nice (laughs) yeah and i i do appreciate that like renata is always willing to help me with anything all the time and i am a person who historically is not very good at asking for help Mm -hmm. so that has always been something that i have appreciated and admired about her you know she is the most thoughtful letter sender of anyone i've ever met which is just like especially not to like make it sad again but like we've talked earlier on the podcast about how i lost a friend at the beginning of the summer the end of the spring and just like every once in a while i'll like get a card from renata that's just like a little reminder that like hey it's okay that you're sad sometimes like hope you're doing well and it is very meaningful to me and i'm very just grateful that renata takes time out of her life to do that for me renata also in a less in a less sentimental uh, track down here, I do believe very strongly that Renata is our funniest friend. I've had this corroborated by other friends, and I do feel very hashtag blessed that I get to do a podcast with our funniest <laughs> friend, which makes Aww. me seem much funnier by comparison. Hey, you're very you're funny too. Um, I I'm crying a little bit. I <laughs> honestly okay, like because I I. I hate to be like, well, the like the bright side of Megan dying because there's like no bright side. It fucking sucks. But um, I think that like having that loss has made me like very consciously want to like let people. Oh, I'm crying. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> um, like just to like let people know that like that I value them and like I never want to have like things left unsaid. I guess, and I think like. Like, after Megan died, her parents kind of found a letter that she'd written to me, but, like, hadn't gotten a stamp to send, and, like, sent it to me after she died, and I, and it wasn't even, like, like, oh, this is my last letter, it was just, like, dumb shit or whatever, but, like, that you would write in a letter to your friend, just be like, hey, like, lol, like, whatever. It wasn't anything, like, super meaningful, except that it was, like, the last thing, and I, I think that that has put, like, a filter in all my other interactions to, like, want to, like, have that and have these kind of, like, tangible ways to let people know that, you know, I care about them and, like, it, like I like to receive things like that for, like, similar reasons and, I don't know, I, I love you, Kate. I love you, too, <laughs> and I'm so glad that you're in my life. I'm so glad that we get to spend this time together all the time that we get to spend other like bullshit time together that like (laughs) I can just go to your apartment and be like, I don't want to be in my apartment right now or none of my roommates are around and I don't want to be alone or whatever. And just like be there with you, invite you to stupid things. And I, I get it. Like I, you know, one of the things that I think about all the time, and I almost said this in a couple different like tributes that I sent out to after Ivy died, that like I wish that we had more pictures together. Like we would spend time, like we have some emails and IMs, and we would like talk on like Live Journal and Twitter, and you know, we would text, but like it, it just never occurred to me because you don't think about that when you're having interactions with people who you love that this could be the last time that you're spending time with them. 
Um, and I wish that we had more pictures and more, like, I wish I had sent her more dumb things in the mail and given her more gifts and, you know, taken like stupid selfies in restaurants that are like weirdly out of focus because Renata's really bad at taking selfies. <laughs> yeah. And, and that is, I am bad at that. Um, but I am good at remembering to take pictures. Yes. And that is also like, because like Megan and I, our friendship was actually so well documented for the era because so much of it was like, from seeing rent and so it was like well we want to take pictures of the cast members but it's like well we have our dumb little cameras because it's like pre-digital camera and we have to go get these scanned but like we have all these dumb pictures that we would take because we were just like sitting outside the theater like wasting time and i'm really glad to have those and so yeah like i am definitely the friend who's like okay everyone like let's pose for a picture and like everyone now like hold up your drink and let's take a picture of the drink and like whatever and that is um that's my damage <laughs> <laughs> It's cool. We're fine at normal. <laughs> I'm sorry that this turned into a sob fest. Uh, yeah, I hope I hope you guys like it. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I think it is. I think it's important. I don't know. Uh, I just. By the way, I yesterday Kay had a murder mystery party, and I wore very dramatic eye makeup, and I came home and I did like two makeup removal wipes but now i'm like crying and i'm still coming off with like glitter (laughs) (laughs) there was there were times last night when i like looked at your face i'm like ronata's face is just covered in glitter (laughs) like it was just coming down and like landing on your cheekbones and then i'm sure you were like wiping it to your cheeks yep yep yep. yeah it started off as eye makeup only and then it became face makeup Well, it's fine. You're a sparkly witch. Yeah. The best witch. Yes. Yes. Okay. We're in the home stretch now. I th- I don't think I'll probably cry anymore. Okay. <laughs> well, we'll see. That's not a guarantee. I might cry. You don't know. Uh, so here's a couple of people ask questions sort of in a similar vein. Um, Christy asked, would love to hear more about your personal lives, work, relationships, etc." cetera. Uh, well, my personal life is as... as as stated above, I love to hang out with Kate, love to cry, love to <laughs> take a lot of dumb pictures. Um, I work as a librarian. I'm a teen services librarian. I think I have talked about that because it's pretty core to the podcast. It's good and I like it. Yeah, you get to do a lot more traveling. I'm always excited about like, you're always going places, which is cool. Yes, I have carefully... Oh, do you mean for work or for... Oh, no, for, for life. Okay, yeah. I have carefully like curated a network of friendships around the the country and the world so that almost anytime I travel, it's like to visit someone. So like I almost never pay for a hotel because I'm like, no, I'll just sleep on your couch, baby. Like, and so that like is helpful <laughs> to get more traveling in. Yeah. Cause I have like my Peace Corps friends, my co- like just a lot of my friends don't live here, which is on one hand rough because like I don't get to see them, but then it's like, oh, where am I going? I'll go visit you. And that's fun. Yeah. Um, yeah, I I don't talk too much about specifically what my job is because the organization that I work for is very easy to find if you know too many d- details about what I do. Um, but I do work – I work adjacent to um, Medicaid in Massachusetts doing like office-type jobs, organizing stuff that we do with community-based organizations around mental health and substance use. and. Yeah, so I I do it's it's a lot of desk job, it's a lot of you know, occasional like cool meetings working on cool projects with people that I like but don't 
really talk about a lot on the podcast, um, but it is one of the many reasons why I am very passionate about mental health and substance use issues that come up in like books that we read, especially when they're done very poorly or very dangerously. A lot of work that I do is around a particular 12-step program in Massachusetts, not one of the ones you're thinking of. And I, it is my favorite part of my job. Like I really cherish that work. I'm not in a recovery from substance use myself. Um, and I have already given my mental health credentials on this podcast many times. Yeah. Um, but I love working with that group. They're just like, they're great people. They're fun. Like, I'm so happy that I get to be friends with some of them. But, you know, again, for like anonymity's sake, like now that we've been on the fucking Boston Globe, like yeah. there are people who know there are like people and it's not it's not a case of me being like, I'll get in trouble if people know. But it's just like, this is my business. <laughs> my, yeah. my bosses don't need to know about it. This is my me time. Um, and there are some people from that organization I was talking about who do know that I do a podcast and who do know what one it is, who might be listening right now. I don't know if you are high. But yeah, so that's that's my day job. Like Otherwise, I have two roommates. I used to live with our former editor, Becca, but now I live former guests KL and Lisa. Lisa did a Christopher Pike book with us. KL oh. did what the Abraham hell? Lincoln Vampire Hunter. Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter and also that terrible book. Oh fuck yeah, Diary of an Oxygen Thief. Yes. Also one of the worst books we've read. Yes. And also oh. I think one of the worst episodes to listen to because we realized halfway through recording that Renata's mic wasn't plugged in. Yeah, we're not Listen. Yeah. <laughs> we were growing. Maybe. Yeah. Um, we're growing as a podcast. But yeah, like I like to throw parties for my friends. Like Renata said, I have one last night. It was a murder mystery. I think it went pretty well. Um, I like to write. I like to play video games. I like to hang out with people, go to music and theater. Not movies so much, but I'll go. I'll go with usually if I'm going to the movies, it's either seeing a horror movie with Renata's roommate or seeing a movie because I'm with Renata and she says, Do you want to go see a movie? Yeah. My my roommate's name is Lindsay. She oh, she has been on the podcast. Yes, yes. for Lizzie Borden. Um Lindsay's great, by the way. I met her through Kate and I just feel like very hashtag blessed that this roommate situation has worked out for so long. And I want to say tangentially, like, I know other people are kind of like, oh, like, I kind of feel like I'm too old to have a roommate now. But like, I love my roommate. And I love that, like, if I go away for a weekend, there's somebody there to like, look after Torte. Like, I love spending less money on my housing than I would if I lived by myself. Like, it makes sense emotionally and practically for me to live with a roommate. And so if you have a roommate and you feel weird about it, uh, don't. Yeah. Unless you got a bad roommate and then that's different. But if you like it, it's great. Yeah, I guess I don't really think about it because so many people in my social circle do have roommates. But yeah, like especially like housing prices are insane. Capitalism is terrible. And also like as a person who like not to like go into like introvert extrovert sort of bullshit, like I am like a person who needs to be around other people. So having built in companionship is great. Um, you know, having living with friends in particular and like people who at the end of the day, I can say like, well, how was your day? What did you do today? Like, do you want to watch TV together? Like, what's up? Let's talk about the things that we love together is good for me emotionally to have. 
Yeah, versus me and Lindsay's relationship works out well because we are both introverts. And so if we are in a room with the door closed, we respect that. And if we want to socialize, then we go into the couch room and it's, it works out for us. Yes. People are different. Yeah. Wild. (laughs) Um, Another thing about my personal life, I do like to go to the movies partly because I live like around the block from a movie theater and it's, it's like a local independent one. So it's cheaper than like an AMC or whatever. And I'm just like, like, I like it as a business. I like that it's there. And I like the act of like going to a movie and like having to turn my phone off and having to be there. And so when I'm like, oh, it's $8, like I'll go see fucking whatever. Let's go. That's a, that's the thing about me. Yep. Unless it's too scary and then I won't go. Yeah, that's fine. Then you just tell me about it and I go with your roommate. Exactly. Uh, and then so also Ida specifically asks, what's the tea on y'all's love lives? And I am actually enthused to talk about this because I was recently listening to a different podcast, um, The Juice with Solomon Giorgio. And one of the guests asked him like something about that. And Solomon was just like very matter-of-factly like, oh, I'm retired from dating. And I was like, what? And then the guest was like, what? And Solomon was like, yeah, you're allowed to do that. Like, I'm allowed to just say like, I'm 40 years old and I like to sleep in the middle of the bed by myself. And like, I like my life the way it is. And I feel like I don't um, want the hassle of dating. And I'm just like, you know, I'm hanging out my Jersey. I'm retired from dating. And I was like, Oh my God, he's right. You can just do that. (laughs) Um, Cause I, you know, I am single, obviously retired from dating. And I have had kind of moments where I'm like, uh, am I asexual? Am I aromantic? Like, and I feel like I'm not based on like previous relationships I've had and like how I felt in them and whatever, but just like late for like the last several years, frankly, is my definition of lately. I just like, I've been on some shitty dates and then I was like, this isn't bringing anything to me. And I feel like my life is like, I'm not craving anything that I'm missing right now. You know what I mean? Like I'm retired from dating. That's where I'm at. Yeah. Thanks for asking. You're welcome. You can do that too, by the way. That's mostly I was like, cause I heard that. I was like, it was like lightning bolt to my brain. Like, Oh fuck. Yes, you can. I am. Cause for, I would just, before that, I would just kind of like, Oh, I'm just not really looking right now or whatever. And I feel like that is a nice definitive phrase. Like, you know what? I'm retired from dating. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I'm not retired from dating. Yeah. I'm just bad at it. <laughs> yeah, I'm a lesbian, as has come up many, 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 probably once an episode. Um, and yeah. I have I have been looking like I feel like there's like a lot of and this isn't obviously like what I think this is really in line with what Renato was saying that like, there's all of this like pressure in this idea in the world that like oh like people who are like desperate not to be single anymore like if you if you're not comfortable with yourself single then like you know you shouldn't be like people are just looking for relationships to like fill the void of like because they are not like happy with themselves being single and stuff like that and you know and I, I do think that that can be true for people I think that there is thanks to society uh there are people who are like i need to get married i need to have kids i need to do it by this point like this is the expiration date like i have to do it or i'm not like a real adult or like a full person and obviously that's bullshit um and obviously like i think you can be like just like renata said like yeah like i'm i'm tired of this and i like my life as it is and i don't need anything else right now and i think that's great but i think also you can be happy in all of these other aspects of your life. I have great friends. Like I do have like weird mental health issues and hangups, but that's not like I'm working on those. 
and they're not I'm not looking for another person to fix those things about me like I love my friendships I love spending time with my friends like I love my social life I get out and I do things I like the stuff that I do on my own as well but I do like want a partner and like I would theoretically like to have kids someday maybe not physically myself but you know whatever um and it just like it's hard it's just hard dating sucks yeah. Uh, it's hard to find people on online dating during the pandemic. It was nearly impossible. It's I don't like hiking. I mean, I'll hike. Like <laughs> I don't, I don't dislike hiking, but it's not like part of my personality. Like when I'm putting together a dating profile, it's not in the first five things I'm going to say about myself. And I like the internet and television. And if you were to go on some of the dating apps in the greater Boston area, looking at queer women. So many of them start with love hiking and anything outdoors, not really into like watching television or just like hanging out on the internet. Like I don't have any social media on my phone and like I really just try to like disconnect and like reconnect with nature and like nature is great, but that's not for me. I am an indoor girl uh, and I would like to find another indoor girl or someone who like does outdoor stuff. But, like, doesn't mind that I'm doing indoor stuff and will do indoor stuff with me. Like, I want to see my partner. So even if they're like, yeah, like, I love hiking, but I don't care if you love Netflix. I'm like, that's great. But sometimes I want you to watch Netflix with me. That's my love language is watching Netflix together. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's just been a struggle. Like, I, I am single, obviously. I would like to not be single. But it's just hard to find people who like the things I like who are like localish to me and who are interested in me. And to be honest, like I'm pretty hot. I'm very mm-hmm. cute. I dress incredibly well. I like mm-hmm. to think that I'm a fun, funny person to be around. I do have a mm-hmm. lot of friends who seem to corroborate that. Yeah. And yet here I am. Co-signed. Co-signed. Yeah. You should date Kate if that's, if you're looking to date a lady. Yeah. I'm doing finger guns. If you're a lady. Who's like but a you can't lady. see it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, here's a question that I'm enthused to talk about as well. This is also from Megan, not the dead one. I assume. <laughs> Wouldn't that be wild if her ghost was like, I actually just want to fill out your Google form. <laughs> I feel like I feel like there would be it would be better markers. I feel like yeah, yeah, this is not her. I can tell. <laughs> um, first of all, she spelled her name correctly. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Living Megan asks, how did you find your book clubs? I would love to join one locally, but I moved to my town during the pandemic Pandemic, and work from home. So most of my friends are far away. Sad face. And see, again, if this were Megan, she it would have been a frowl. Yes. Not a sad face. <laughs> um, so I love talking about my book clubs, and I love... So I, cause I do relate when people are like, oh, it's so hard to make friends as an adult, but I feel like I have some expertise cause I've moved around somewhat a lot, like for Peace Corps and for grad school and for, um, moving from my first job and then moving here. And what's relatively easy though, is to make one friend and then integrate yourself into that friend's social circle. And then you get all the friends, like yes. you get all these bonus friends and then you just do that. So try to make one friend. And here's how I have made my friends is well, in, in grad school, it's easy because grad school is sort of designed to like put you together and, and you meet people that way. But then when I moved, I moved to Indiana. Sometimes I say Louisville because I lived in such extreme 
Southern Indiana that it was functionally like suburban Louisville, Kentucky. And most of my friends lived in Louisville and my social circle was really in Louisville. If you're confused about that, don't, that's, I'm over explaining. Anyway, in Louisville, I made friends because I started going to the moth story slams and uh, there was another girl named April, a woman. There was a woman named April who told a story. And I was like, oh, she seems cool. I want to be her friend. And then she was like, Renata seems cool. I want to be her friend. And she like later she was like, oh, I was like so like shy to talk to you because you were so cool. And I was like, no, I was. I feel like the moral of the story of all these stories is just like if you think someone's cool, like they probably think you're cool. And, yeah. Like, lean into that. But she like shyly said like like we should hang out and I was like yes because I don't have any friends <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I'm new in town like I definitely want to hang out with you and then we hung out and then she's like oh I'm starting a book club with some of my other friends would you want to join the book club and I was like yes and then uh, I did and then I made friends with everyone from book club and now we're like that book club has like geographically scattered but we still keep in touch like that's actually most recently who I was my most recent travel is to visit some of those very book club friends. And that was great. And then I moved to Boston area. It's weird for me to talk about, I guess. I don't know. I, I had been living there for a while and like, I did love my book club friends, but I felt kind of stuck in my job and there were like things I wasn't super happy with about where I was living. And I just sort of had a moment where I was like, I feel like I'm going to be stuck here forever. I just feel stuck. Like there's no other, options I just feel like stuck and then I was like if I don't do something dramatic I'm gonna be like stuck here and I got really hung up on that and then I was like it's really hard to search for library jobs from a distance like I feel like other jobs are more willing to like relocate you but for a library they don't have money for that and they just like whatever so I was like okay I'm just gonna like quit my job and move to Boston just like fucking see what happens and there there's definitely like privilege in that like my parents helped me like I crashed with them for a while I was getting my life together and had some storage stuff there and then I had I had some money saved from an insurance settlement from when I broke my ankle which is <laughs> I, well, I'm not gonna get into that but so I had some extra money because of that and then so it wasn't like whatever so I moved to Boston and I knew Kate is here and my friend Stacy from grad school who's been on the podcast also like I kind of had these like key anchor friends and I was like I'll figure it out and and I did figure it out and I like I honestly love my life here and it's so great and Kate and all the friends I stole from Kate are a huge part of that and so my local book club here is hosted by um, our friend Grace who I met through Kate and maybe Kate you want to talk a little bit more about that but sure um, so Grace Grace's partner, Jesse, uh, is the manager at the comic shop that is in the old neighborhood that I lived in when I first moved to Boston after a very similar series of events where I felt stuck. I was living with my parents after school, after college. I was working in the bookstore. I loved working in the bookstore, but it did not pay well enough to live on. I also was like, I need a change. I've been looking for jobs in New York. It's not working. And I was, I had been friends through Rent with uh, my old roommate, Becca, our old editor, and had thought like, we had been talking more because I think we got into, we were like very into Doctor Who and Torchwood at the Mm. same time. And so we were talking more and she was like, yeah, like I hate my roommates. Like I want to move out, but like I need new roommates because I can't afford to live on my own. And I was kind of like, well, what if I moved to Boston? 
And then I just did it. There, you know, and we ended up living in Union Square in Somerville, which is where Hub Comics is. And Jesse, who is the manager of Hub Comics, is already friendly with Becca. I'm not entirely sure how they connect it. But because Hub was on my walk home from the bus and I was into comics, I would stop in, I would buy comics, I would talk to Jesse, uh, and eventually became friends with Jesse. And I still remember the first time that we invited Grace, like we knew Grace as like Jesse's girlfriend who seemed, and this is a theme, like way cooler than us. <laughs> mm-hmm. She is so cool though. She is. Grace is very cool. And we invited her, I think Becca invited her to go see a show at the ART with us. And it was like the first time that we were like actively hanging out with Grace and it was like, I was like, yes, like we have unlocked like future hangouts with Grace. And yes. like, I remember having a conversation with Becca on the way home from the ART being like, excellent. Like now, like we're social friends with Grace and like, you know, that that's like, that was the first step. And like, we can just like start like inviting her to things and like, we'll be like friends with her and spoiler alert, it worked. Uh, <laughs> we are, we are good friends with Grace and Jesse now. Um, they're some of my favorite people. I am very happy that we have them, that I have them and I'm speaking for not as well in Uh, My life. And Grace had decided several years ago that she wanted to start a book club where we would read all of the classics of literature that like you're supposed to have read and been familiar with. Science fiction, like genre, genre classics, sci-fi, fantasy, Mm -hmm. horror, and that we've never gotten around to reading uh, just so that like, because why not? And she invited a bunch of people from like our shared social circle and from her own social circle. And it's kind of whittled down to this like core group of like eight or 10 people. And we sort of have stuck to that, but it kind of has veered off into other things as well. Uh, but Dracula- yeah, like during the pandemic, like everyone had short attention spans. So we switched to being a short story club for a while and we were meeting on Zoom and it was, it was tricky, but yeah. it was cool. And, like, we realized that, like, reading, quote, unquote, like, old-timey classics meant that we were reading a lot of white men. So we started shaking it up and reading some newer books by women and people of color. And that was cool. Um, And, yeah, it's from there we spun off into another sort of media club, cult club, where Grace, Renata, and uh, our other Kaftan sister wife, Ashley – and I will talk about different cults and religious fanaticism and like wellness scams and stuff, you know, scammy things that we think are interesting in our own separate book club because we kept talking about them during regular book club and everyone was like, you need to stop talking about it. Yeah. And talk about the book. But the other suggestion I have for joining a book club is prior to the pandemic, the other book club that I was in was at my local indie bookstore, Porter Square Books. Uh, it's mm. not that local to me anymore, but it was it was my local indie before I moved across the river to Newton. And they had a book club for adults, and then they had a YA and middle grade book club for adults that, like, that was what we were reading. And as a person who reads a lot of YA and middle grade and who spends a lot of time at Porter Square Books, and I believe it was started by a friend of the show, Rebecca Wells, I was like, yeah, like, I'll go to this. And I, like, genuinely, it was great. I met a whole bunch of people who I didn't know through other things. It was, it got me to read 
you know, like when I would have those times where I was struggling reading, it would be like, okay, well, like this is a book that I have to read by this date and I would do it. You know, I read a bunch of books that I probably wouldn't have otherwise because they were outside of my normal preferred genre. Uh, And I read a bunch of books that I was recommended that I I wrote down because like every month uh, Rebecca would pick a bunch of books off of the shelf as suggestions for the next month and we would vote on them. And if one that I thought sounded really interesting didn't get voted in, I would write it down. And sometimes I even remembered to read it later. (laughs) That book club went on pause during the pandemic as many did and has not started up again. And I know there are some people who work at Porter Square Books who listen to this podcast. And if you are listening to this weird overlong episode about us uh, and you are interested in restarting that book club, definitely let me know because I would definitely uh, return to that book club because it was great. Yeah, I went to a few meetings of that book club, but mostly it overlapped with this yoga class I was taking. But uh, that yoga class is disbanded, so I'm I'm free now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's, that's a suggestion. And I'm sure, Renata, you might have more to say about whether, like, libraries are also a good place to look for book clubs. But indie, local indie bookstores, if you have one around you, definitely, like, check that out. Um, and check out, like, maybe indie bookstores not necessarily directly in your community. I know that doesn't help with making friends now that you've just moved. But there might be others who pivoted to online during the pandemic that are still online. Yeah, I I will say about library book clubs, like my the library I work now has a couple and they're mostly like senior citizens, which I mean, not that you can't be friends with senior citizens, but it's probably like not really what you're looking for. And like when I worked outside Louisville, I had a couple failed attempts to start like it was called Forever Young Adult Book Club because if you know the website Forever Young Adult, like they had a a book club and you could like be listed in their directory and I was like that would be cool to start like a book club for adults who read young adult lit and I had like three meetings of it and each time one person came who was like oh I wanted to make new friends and I was like sorry it's just me and you bud mm-hmm. and then that person wouldn't come back and then a different one person would come and be like I wanted to make friends and I was like sorry bud and then I feel like if those people had all gotten together like it could have been powerful but like they just tried one time and gave up and so I don't know. I never solved that problem because I just gave up on trying to do a book club and then I moved away. So I don't have the answer to that, but maybe, maybe you could find people at the library. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Libraries are good for a lot of things, but maybe not for a book club for younger people, but maybe your community is different. Maybe you do have one. Yeah. Also, I mean, you can make friends on the internet. That's a good way to do it. I think. Uh, speaking of um, our friend, Sophie wrote in and said, tell a story that involves me. And Sophie's another person that we met from rent forums online, et cetera, et cetera, that whole community. But I had, and she's been on the podcast as well, talk about VC Andrews and Ani DeFranco, maybe something else. But a story that involves her that I think of often is, and now I don't remember exactly the beginning of it. I think somehow she had recommended the selection to me. I was like, you should read it for the podcast or like something about the selection. And then I was taking a road trip with, another friend and we downloaded the first one to listen to and as you as you may know if you heard our selection episode we just got like really sucked into it we were just like this is the perfect like brain candy like it's very stupid but I have to know what happens and then we were in the middle of like I think Idaho we were on this like western road trip and we were in some rural desolate area 
area with like one bar of signal. And I was like desperately trying to both download the second book from the library app. I was like trying to get that second audiobook downloaded and then like texting Sophie, like, oh my gosh, this book is wild. And I don't know. I just have like really fond memories about the struggle to communicate regarding the selection because we were in the middle of fucking nowhere, but it was so important. (laughs) (laughs) And then, so I think sort of the last question that we have here is a question that people, another one that people ask us a lot, which is, well, uh, it's about like, the question that we have down is uh, asking about like if we're writers and advice for that. But the other tangential thing that I am going to add, and I know that this isn't people who actually listen to the podcast, but if you have like a friend or uh, someone you know who works for like an online marketing uh, firm who markets books and perhaps markets books to podcasts – we do have a very strong suggestion that they uh, maybe like look into those podcasts before sending those emails. That is a, yeah. an issue that does. We're just up- like on. A, we're just like on some publicist list, and that publicist should be fired. Yes, because first of all, the name of our podcast is Worst Bestsellers, and while we have had we have do do books that are good, and we have had authors come on to promote their books. They're not coming on to talk about their book. They're coming on to talk about another book. Uh, So if you're an author and you want to come on to the podcast to promote your book, you are absolutely welcome to do so as long as you can demonstrate that you know how the podcast works. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, we've had so many authors who have come on who have said like, oh, yeah, like I'll try to think of a book that's related to my book or this is a book I've always wanted to talk about or things like that. That shows that they can read. Yeah. And are not sending us books saying, ah, we would love to hear to do a podcast, you for you guys to do a podcast episode about our book. It's like, no, you don't. You don't want that, actually. And whenever we say this on Discord or Twitter, people freak out like, oh, my God, that can't be real. And no, it is real. It's our reality every day. We get all of these emails from people asking us to promote their book on our podcast by interviewing their author and having them talk about their book. Uh, so, yeah, that's that's a no-no as a writer. Mm-hmm. As for writerly advice, I'm not sure that I am necessarily in a position to give any. Um, I am an aspiring writer. I have not had anything published aside from a few short stories in various anthologies that were mostly edited by folks I know. Part of that is because the entire process is just very time consuming. And in addition to my podcast job and my other full time job that pays the bills, it is a lot of effort to put in. And more recently, I've had a lot of, you know, mental health struggles. And uh, as I said, like there's this new ADHD diagnosis that's on my horizon that theoretically is supposed to help. I still don't know that I believe it, which is not not to distrust medical science, but the number of people who I've spoken to who have said that once they started on stimulants for their ADD, or ADHD, they could just sit down and do something is like, frankly, all kidding aside, completely unbelievable to me. It sounds like science fiction. So I don't, I just, I just, it just doesn't seem feasible. It doesn't seem like it's a feasible thing that could happen, but hey, we never know. Um, So I'm hoping to get back into it. So I don't know that I necessarily specifically have like advice for writers, except don't email us about 
how we should do your book on our podcast. Yeah, don't do that. But it is it is rough. And I know that it's rough. It's rough on everyone. Publishing's very fucked right now. And I get that. But like, you know, tell tell your story. I guess this isn't very good advice. Uh, <laughs> you know, find find people who are also creative and spend time with them. Find people who are willing to listen to you about your ideas and things, which is something that's very helpful to me when I'm working on stuff is my roommates both are very great about letting me talk out different issues that I'm having in stories and uh, different things that I'm working on. And that like a lot of times just talking out your story will fix a lot of plot issues that are wrapped up in your head. Find a community that's very supportive. I have a I don't call it a critique group because we're very gentle, but like a writing support group that I'm a part of that meets regularly and some of whom may be listening right now and having that as an outlet and just getting a chance to see what other people like these people who are my friends are working on and doing and cheering them on. Like the amount of energy cheering other people on gives me is incredible. Like just the ability to like, you know, read something that one of my friends wrote and offer that like positive feedback and, you know, some like gentle critique as well. But like, just to be like, ah, like my friend made this cool thing. If you are a friend of mine and any of your books ever get published, be prepared for the onslaught of, oh my God, everyone buy my friend's book. My friend made this cool thing because having people to cheer you on is great and cheering other people on feels so cool. And that's, that's what I'd say about that. Yeah. I don't, I'm, I'm not a writer, really. I do a little fan fiction on the side sometimes. And you don't need to read that. That's the Kate. You can. <laughs> you listening? I don't. That's, that's for me. I have nothing else to say about this. All right. <laughs> I think the moral of the story is that if you think you should start a podcast, you should start a podcast. Yeah. Um. Don't don't like focus on making it marketable. Don't focus on making it like. If you go into it thinking, I'm doing this because I want to become podcast famous or make money or, like, have a lot of, like, awesome fans or whatever, like, I don't think that's a good mindset to necessarily have. I don't think you'll you'll necessarily achieve your goals. But if you're doing Especially it, if assuming you are just, like, a random, like, us. Yeah. Like if you're someone who, like, already is a stand-up comedian and you're, like, being approached by a studio, like, then first of all, you don't need our advice, so whatever. But, like, yeah, if you're starting from a perspective of, like, a random citizen such as us, uh, it's kind of a, a slow burn for the most part. Yeah. That's fine. But if you're doing it to spend time with your friends, if you're doing it because you have a great idea or something you want to talk about, if you're doing it because you – it just, like, seems like something fun that you want to try, like, definitely do it. Like, the entry point to starting a podcast is lower than it's ever been. And it is – Yeah, like, technologically, it's not that – it's time-consuming. Yeah. But it's not – and and it also like time consuming too. Like it depends on the product that you want to make. Like if you're not like I I am very we want our podcast to sound really good. And because there's two of us, that means a lot of editing. If you're just one person and you're doing a single podcast, like and you don't mind that like, you know, you've got some ums and ahs in there, or occasionally like you can hear like a garbage truck rumble by in the background, then that's that's fine. You know, we're 
adding extra voices does add like another level to it. But yeah, like if if it sounds like it's some fun thing you want to try, like that's great. Like it doesn't have to be a superstar hit for you to be having fun with it and enjoy doing it. It doesn't have to be no, you know, no one has to listen to it if you're still having fun, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah. This is so long. Let's you know where we are in the internet and you know who we are if you've listened this far. So um, the one thing I want to say is that we are launching a new merch store through Tee Public, and we have some new designs that we're really excited about. And uh, just go to worstbestsellers.com and click on merch. And that's going to be the easiest way. And everything else that you might want to know about us, you can also find at worstbestsellers.com, which does redirect you to frail.org slash worstbestsellers. And now you know why, because you've heard our origin stories. Yes. And uh, and we'll be back in two weeks with uh, LA Candy by Lauren Conrad. Yeah. Ooh. Excited to start that one, I guess. <laughs> It's pretty fun. It's pretty easy. I'll talk about that in two weeks. Yep. Okay, bye. Bye. Also on September 2013, I asked my brother if he would introduce, if he would record a theme song for us. And he said, LOL, fuck yeah, some acapella jams with a Z. 2013, we were really into pluralizing with a Z, I guess. Yeah. Um, hey, Reed, where's my acapella jams? Um, <laughs> Sorry, I thought that that was continuing the email conversation and not you just publicly calling your brother out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that I didn't say that in the email. Um, yes. That's me right now, 2022. Reed, where's my acapella jams?